uh, yeah, I should know this, but, uh, and then this thing grew off, grew in her eye. It was like this membrane that grew, and it ca- kind of caused this blurriness to her vision for a whole year, and she did her whole master's with that blurriness. It was crazy. She did it with one eye, I would say, uh, but now she's better. They've, they've taken care of it, but it was a hard process not being able to see right? And so my message series is called Vision, uh, which is talking about being a seer. Being a seer, and I'll unpack that here. And Pastor Tom last week, by the way, he uh, texted me, said, man, I am missing everyone. I am praying for you guys. We are missing him, and uh, we are so thankful that he is continuing to pray for us and praying blessings over each one of you. But he brought an amazing word last week, talking about having vision, but if we don't have the why, then there's no purpose in the vision, right? Why do we have that vision? So uh, why do we need to be a seer? The reason being is because we have a blind world out there. We have a blind world that cannot see, and so they are walking in darkness, and so we need to be seers and have vision. How many of you have heard the, the phrase, uh, blind leading the blind? <laughs> so I had this uh, painting that I saw. It was actually done for this. Uh, if you guys want to pop that up there, um, uh, Russ, my man. Oh, nope. We missed that, I guess. Okay, well, I thought I had it, but we will have that for the next service, but um, you will catch it online. But there was this painting of the blind leading the blind, and it was kind of crazy how one person fell into the ditch, and then every other person following that person fell into the same ditch. But um, here is something that we need to understand And I came up, I saw this phrase, it's not original to me, but it said, Spirit-led people see things that others do not see. Holy Spirit-led people see things that others do not see. And we, we know how Jesus said, I'm going to heaven and I'm sending the Holy Spirit to be uh, your guide, to be your counselor, to give you power, to teach you, to teach you to walk in the ways that I have called you to walk in. And so when the Spirit lives inside of us, we see things that others don't. A blind world needs seers. There's an age-old saying The more things change, the more they stay the same. Each day our lives settle into familiarity. We have our routines. We see the same people. We do the same tasks. We begin to see the world in well-worn patterns, ways of thoughts that seem so stable that we uh, come to believe that nothing can ever shake them. The story of the Bible is meant to do just that, to shake us from our view of the world. But the Bible, with the assistance of the Holy Spirit, doesn't just deconstruct the way we've always seen things. The partnership replaces our frail frail paradigms with a new robust one one that comes from God's 
perspective. When we let the Bible and the Holy Spirit become our lens for how we view our realities, we become free of old, worn-out paths, and everything begins to look different. We get a divine clarity. A divine clarity of what is happening in your life currently. A divine clarity of why you are in the season that you're in currently. A divine clarity of how to navigate out of what you're in to what God is calling you to. And so I have this video that will help us understand this a little better. It's the end of the world. The moon turns to blood, mountains crumble, mutant locusts swarm. These are just some of the strange images we find in parts of the Bible called apocalyptic. And while most people think the biblical word apocalypse means the end of the world, it actually doesn't mean that at all. Apocalypse is a Greek word that means to uncover or reveal. An apocalypse is when you suddenly see the true nature of something that you couldn't see before. Because I don't always see things the way they really are. Right. We all develop familiar ways of seeing the world that can limit or blur our vision. So an apocalypse is like a revelation. Right. Now, in the Bible, an apocalypse is when God pulls back the curtain to show someone what's really going on in the world from a divine perspective. For example, take Isaiah the prophet. He's suddenly transported in a vision into God's throne room. Oh, right, he's in God's temple, described as a bridge between heaven and earth. And there, God gives him a divine perspective on Israel's past, present, and their future. So that Isaiah can bring challenge and comfort to God's people in his own day. Or think about the Apostle Paul, who was trying to stop the movement of Jesus, but then he gets stopped in his tracks by a vision of the risen Jesus himself. Yeah, he realizes that he's fighting against the very thing that he's been hoping for, and it changes the course of his life. So these apocalypses give people a heavenly perspective on their earthly situation, and they can give hope, or they can challenge you. Or make you change everything. Now, those are biblical stories about people having an apocalypse. An ap apocalypse, a heavenly perspective to an earthly situation, a revelation, a new insight to be able to see your situation through different lenses. So with this series, Vision, my goal is to whet your appetite to help you see your current situation or circumstance. This week, I got to pray with different individuals of situations that were out of their control, situations that were crippling them, situations that were causing fear, situations that were bringing hurt, situations that needed direction. It is crazy what we face day in and day out. But we get to see these situations from a spiritual viewpoint that can lead us to a heavenly perspective. From the way God sees it, a beautiful revelation of what God is doing in the grand scheme of things, the big picture. We fall into that big picture of what God is doing and we discover what God has 
for you as an individual. How exciting is that? To be able to know what God's plan is and why you are in your current season and what God intends to do with that season and where He is taking you to. A revelation. To see for yourself the vision for your life. The vision for this church. And why do I say that? Because God's Word says that the body is made up of many parts and all the parts come together to make the body, right? But we serve one God. Does one God have multiple visions? No. He has one vision and a purpose. And when the body seeks the will of God and discovers the vision that He has for each person and they come together, we discover the vision and the purpose of the church as a whole body. And for the people around us. To have vision to see for the people that are blind around us that are walking where there are blind people leading blind people into lies and away from the truth. And God gives us vision to be able to see so that we can be effective in what He has called us to do. To help us unpack this, I'm going to look at a story. Um, there's multiple that we see in God's Word, and we'll unpack that in the next few weeks. But one of these stories we find in 1 Samuel chapter 9. And uh, just to give you some context here, there was a social upheaval happening uh, in this time. And we see uh, Samuel, a, a godly man, a, a powerful uh, God, a, um, a friend of God who God used to do great and mighty things. We see that Samuel was a seer. He was um, the, uh, the voice of God. He was a prophet. He was who God used to bring revelation, to bring insight, to bring wisdom and, and direction for the people. He was a military leader that was powerful, and he loved God. And he... he um, in the time of Samuel, the way that they ruled was using judges. They had judges that ruled and, and gave order to the people. And so Samuel is getting older. He hands his reign over to his sons to continue what he had done. Well, the sons decided they're going to go their own way, and they did their own thing. And so we see that there's corruption that starts to happen. And the people of Israel are going, whoa, 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 hold on. We need someone to give us direction. So they look around, and they notice that every nation around them has kings. And they wanted to look like everyone else. So they go to Samuel, and they say, Samuel, appoint us a king. Because we want to be just like every other nation. Your sons are messing things up. And Samuel's like, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think that's what God wants. And God's like, that's not a good idea. But they keep being adamant about wanting a king. So let them have what they want. And so that's kind of what is happening. But we're going to kind of do a scene change kind of backtrack and see how this all happens. So um, what we see happening is uh, there's this guy by the name of Kish who had a son uh, by the name of Saul, kind of connecting the dots, King Saul, right? Um, and his son uh, was Saul, and, and Kish had these donkeys, yeah, donkeys, that went missing, Okay, uh, now, so you may be like, donkeys? I mean, in our, our time, we're like, what, so what, who cares? Donkeys, right? It's kind of like in your time, any, any cattle ranchers here? I'm not, but 
I've heard. No, no cattle ranges. There's one guy. I know he's back here. <laughs> you know what happens when uh, uh, the cows get out, right? It's mass chaos, right? Oh, my cows are out. The fence is broken. The cows are out. Uh, I, I heard Todd McKnight the other day. He said he woke up at 5.30, walked out, and he was walking by his kitchen. He looks through, and he notices there's something moving in his front yard. So he steps back. He's like, oh, no, the cows are out. It was a whole process, an hour and a half of getting the cows back in the pen. So anyway, we see that the donkeys went missing. The donkeys were important because they were valuable for the work that they produced in that time. So these donkeys were important. So uh, Kish tells Saul, hey, take my servant and go looking for these donkeys. So Saul takes one of his uh, servants and the two of them go looking for donkeys. Yeah. They're searching for donkeys. So day one, they're searching for donkeys. Day two, they're searching for donkeys. No donkeys still. Day three, they're still searching for donkeys. So day three comes, and Saul's like, okay, I'm done searching for donkeys. We're going to go back home because guess what? My dad's going to get worried about the, uh, us not being here. He's going to stop worrying about donkeys. He's going to start worrying about us, so let's head back home. But the servant says, you know what? Wait, 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 wait. Let's not rush. He's like, there is a man of God who lives in a town that is known to uh, give us revelation and insight. He's known as a seer, a prophet. And maybe if we go to the man of God, he will give us insight to know where these donkeys are. And so he's convincing Saul that we should make this trip to go see the seer. So we pick this passage up in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verses 9. And it said, Formerly in Israel, if someone went to inquire of God, they would say, Come, let us go see the seer. Because the prophet of today used to be called a seer. Good, Saul said to his servant, Come, let's go. So they went out of the town where the man of God was. As they were going up the hill to the town, they met some young women coming down to draw water, and they asked them where the seer is, or is the seer here. We jump to verse 18. Saul approaches Samuel, who is the seer, in the gateway and asked, would you please tell me where the seer's house is? So he wasn't aware that Samuel was the seer, so he asked Samuel, where is the seer's house? Samuel responds, I am the seer. Samuel replied, go up ahead of me to the high place. For today you are to eat with me, and in the morning I will send you on your way and will tell you all that is in your heart. And then he goes on. Okay, I've told you the important stuff. And as for the donkeys you lost three days ago, do not worry about them. They have been found. And to whom is all the desire of Israel turned, if not to you and your whole family line? So here comes Saul, who has no clue that he's going to be the next king. He meets, he's looking for donkeys, and he approaches Samuel, who he has no idea that he's the seer, and he's asking Samuel, hey, where is the seer guy? And Samuel just unpacks on him. And he's like, 
Hey, yeah, yeah, I'm going to tell you everything that's in your heart. And by the way, don't worry about the donkeys, they're found. And in court, he's telling him, hey, you're going to be the next king. Now, I know we jumped some verses here, but it's important to understand that Samuel didn't just show, uh, sorry, Saul didn't just show up to see Samuel. He had some opposition. He was not wanting to do it, but the servant was convincing him that he needed to go. And so what we see in this narrative that is demonstrated to us is how excuses solve no problems. Excuses solve no problems. So let's look at some of the excuses that uh, Saul was giving his servant before he met Samuel. When they reached the district of Zupa, Saul said to the servant who was with him, Come, let's go back to my father. Uh, go back, or my father will stop thinking about the donkeys and start worrying about us. So he was, he was making an excuse. He was saying, You know what? My father is going to be worried about me, so let's just stop this whole journey of finding donkeys and let's head home. He was, he was making excuses. And Saul, uh, Saul said to his servant, If we. Um, well, verse 6 actually talks about how the, the servant told Saul, hey, no, 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 we need to go find the seer. We need to find the seer. And then Saul gives him another excuse. Saul said to his servant, if we go, what can we give the man? Because you've got to take a gift to go to see the seer. The food in our, in our sack is gone. We have no gift to take to the man of God. What do we have? So here we see Saul making excuse after excuse and not wanting to pursue or go find the seer. Flag church solutions appear. They come into vision. Solutions appear when godly people maintain the right direction and don't make excuses to go back. When godly people stay on track and do not make excuses. Maybe this morning you have problems in your marriage. And you're making excuses and you're trying to go back into the brokenness that there is. And for you to see the solution, you need to stay on track on God's plan and continue to seek a seer. Maybe this morning you have stopped praying for that lost family member and you're making excuses. Oh, they have, there's no hope for them. I, I've given up. But we've got to stay on track. Or maybe you're giving excuses about your work situation and how messed up it is or your financial crisis and you're like, there's no hope for me. Or maybe your just whole life just feels hopeless and you're making excuses. Excuses don't get us anywhere. Their solutions elude us. Solutions elude those who assume heaven orbits around us. Saul was more worried about the fact that he, uh, about his comfort and how he needed to get back and how we didn't have this. It was all about him. That when we change our focus from us to him is when our vision shifts. When we change our focus from how, how bad we feel or how bad it is for us or how messed up it is in my case to focusing on Him, solutions start to appear. Not just on Him, but also when we focus on others. 
God has called us to be a community of people caring for the people around us. And sometimes we have situations in our life that cause us to be inward focused and only inward focused. And we don't focus on anything else around us. But let me tell you, sometimes, and most times, I shouldn't say sometimes, most times we see God through people. And when we start to focus on the people on the outside of us, the people around us, we start to see solutions that God has because He's trying to bring those solutions to you through people that we tend not to focus on because we are so focused on our situation and how bad it is for us and how our life is in this place uh, that is causing us all this headache. Problem solvers... Cultivate a mentality, a willingness to look a little longer. The servant was a problem solver. He was like, let's keep looking. Let's find the seer. Let's go after him because I've heard about this godly man who has a direct access to God, who's able to speak truth, who's able to give me direction. And he's like, let's go a little longer. He said, look in this town. There's a man of God He's highly respected, and everything he says comes true. Problem solvers cultivate a mentality of looking a little longer. One of the questions that the elders asked me um, actually, as we were doing the interview for this position, is, um, hey, what is your, one, of, one of your visions? And I said, uh, I think it's always good to have a target audience in a church. Who are we trying to reach? And I said, our target audience is the next generation and young adults. And so all my elders looked at me and said, so what about us? <laughs> I was like, I'm glad you asked. Because God is calling you to be there, to be the shepherds, to be the seers for the next generation. I hear so many stories of people that pass a certain age, and I'm not going to define ages here, but, and they'll say, oh, I'm too old, I don't have anything to offer. Oh, I, I'm, just, I'm just done. My life, I mean, it's for the next generation. Like church, there are men and women in this room. <laughs> Jim Peterson, Nancy Peterson, Bruce and Shirley Leachin, Paul Christman, Amy Christman. That God is calling you to be seers for the next generation. That is our target audience. That is our target audience. The next generation, if you're sitting in this room and I see you guys, those of you that are in empowered youth, those of you that are in counterculture, those of you that are young married couples that have little kids, you need to be looking for the seers. You need to be looking for people that are 15 years older than you, couples that are 15 years older than you, adults that are 15 years older than you, so that you may gain the wisdom and the insight that God has given them because they have been placed in this place to be seers for you and me. There's a reason that each one of you is here. Young married couples, 
You need to be looking for couples that are 15 years older than you and call on them. Are they godly couples? Are they loving God? Then go after them. Don't stop. Go after them and seek their wisdom. Because they are seers. Humble people make no pretense. They simply invest whatever they possess. So we see the servant, this humble guy. He's like, you know what? I've got these pennies. I'll just bring those pennies. We'll give it to the seer so we can get wisdom. We can get insight. We can get direction. We can find these donkeys. And so he was willing to do whatever it takes. And we need that. We need that persistence. Excuses won't create the sight necessary to change your situation or circumstance. Excuses will prevent us from tapping into the power of God because God has power for each one of you to make Pittsburgh, to make Flag Church, to make uh, your life better, to make this community the easiest place for people to experience the presence of God. Excuses solve no problems. When we seek the seer, we become a seer. When we seek the seer, we become a seer. What are your excuses? Are you making excuses this morning? It's time to seek the seer. This narrative also proves to me that, to me that we need to pursue a life of a seer. Some of us in this room are seers today. Some of us need to pursue that life of a seer because there is a blind world out there. Each one of us need to be seers. Each one of us need to pursue that. And like I said earlier, the servant replied, Look, in this town there is a man of God. <laughs> he is highly respected. Are people looking at us and going, hey, in this town, here is a man and a woman of God and they are highly respected. I'm going to go to them because I have a crisis in my life and I need their wisdom because they hear from God. What would that look like? When everything's falling apart, they go, hey, you know what? There's this person, he, uh, man, his, his name is Paul Christman. I need to go see him. His name uh, 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 um, is Coach John Palumbo. I need to go see him. Because guess what? He has a direct line to God. He's a seer. He's a man of God. He's highly respected. She's highly respected. She will help me figure out this because she or he is a seer. We need to be imitators of God. Ephesians 5 1 through 5. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are His dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the examples of Christ. He loved us and offered Himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Live a life that is pleasing, that imitates God so that we can pursue a life of a seer, so that we can walk into the calling that God has, which changes us from being blind to be people that have sight and people that have direct access to God and to be seers. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, 
or greed among you, because these things prevent us from being a seer. Such sins have no place among God, amongst God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. They don't help us be seers. Instead, let there be thankfulness of, to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, and greedy person will inherit the kingdom of God, uh, kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater worshipping the things of this world. The definition for being or not being a seer. A person that is after the heart of God, a man after God's own heart, becomes a seer, an imitator of God. Pursue a life of a seer. Live above reproach privately and publicly. When people see you, they go, he's different, she's different. He has something that I need. She has something that I need. She sees differently. He sees differently because he has access to God. A life of a seer honors him and generates hope in others. It generates hope in others. A blind world needs seers. Lastly, why be a seer? Why do I need to be a seer? There is no uh, special group of people that are qualified to be a seer. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you love him, God starts to work in you and you start to become a seer. What would it look like if all of us sitting in this room became seers? What would this community look like? How could it impact our workplaces? How could it impact our families? How could it impact our community? How could it change? Why be a seer? Generational empowerment, that's why. The next generation, there are people that need to know Jesus. Generational empower, empowerment. Next week, thanks to Coach Lynn, we're going to have about 40 to 60 Pitt State football players in our second service. And I bet many of them have not stepped into this church. They're going to have questions eventually. They're going to want to know what direction, what life choices should I make? Who am I? What is my identity? Where are they getting that answer? The world, the internet? Or are they coming to see us? You and me. The next generation. They need wisdom. Our nurseries, our youth ministry, they need seers. Babies and kids that need to know who they are and who's they are and who formed and who shaped them and who defines their future. Youth ministry, where there is an identity crisis, they need seers. They need you to step into the gap. They need people to stand in the gap and say, you know what, I am a seer and I can give you direction because I have access to God. There are people that are giving up their image of God and the image of God is being destroyed because the world is causing, causing that to happen due to the lies and we need seers to be image bearers. Image bearers of Jesus Christ. Why be a seer? Because there is a need. There is a blind world out there. Are you willing to step up? A seer cultivates and declares untapped capacity, and dormant potential. Think of that. A seer 
cultivates and declares untapped potential and uh, capacity and dormant potential. Don Thompson is a big brother, and he brings his little to church. And I watch him sitting in the back there with eating Taco Bell and helping build crafts for kids' ministry. And that kid has a smile. And guess what he's doing? He's developing untapped potential. He's calling out what God has put inside of that little boy. He's being a seer in that capacity. And God is calling you and me to be that. Verse 19, he says, And he will tell you all that is within your heart. How many of you want to know that? How many of you would like to do that for someone else by being a seer, approaching a seer and receiving that? And to whom is all the desires of Israel turned if not to you? Seers can cultivate others because they have confidence in their identity. When Saul approached Samuel, he said, hey, I am the seer. Black church, I'm going to say this morning, I am a seer. Who else in here will stand with me and say, I am a seer? Do you have that boldness? Because when we become seers, God is setting us in a different platform to minister. And he, he uses us for life transformation. Even the blind world can see poses and pretenders. Let's not be pretenders. Let's not be poses. Let's be seers from God. Know who you are and whose you are. He called us out of darkness. You and I are called, empowered people by the Holy Spirit. Our identity is found in Him. 1 Peter 2.9 But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And that becomes, makes you a seer. And then he goes on to say, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. You can show others the goodness of God. You can show others the goodness of God because you are a chosen people. You are called out. You are separate. You are set apart because God wants you to be seer so you can show others the goodness of God because people do not know the goodness of God because they are living in blindness. Flag Church, will you be a seer today? Will you seek out and find a seer for your life? The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. He's upon you. For the Lord has anointed you and me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent you and me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that the captives will be released and the prisoners will be set free. The Spirit and the gifts are for all. The prophetic voice is ours. Tongues and interpretations are ours. Gifts of faith, healing, miracles are ours. Discerning spirits, word of knowledge and wisdom, they are ours. This is our time. God has called us for a time such as this. When we seek the seer, we become a seer. This leads to others becoming seers of Jesus. If you're not a seer, seek a seer, find a seer. Let them influence your life. If you are a seer, continue to be a seer and, and, and proclaim and say, I am a seer.
Flag Church, this is why we are a spirit-empowered church. And I'll say that again. We are a spirit-empowered church. Not to brag or to put it on a, on a pedestal and say, uh, yeah, we're a spirit-empowered church. We are a spirit-empowered church because we are called to set the captives free. There are people in this room that need to be set free and you need to find a seer. There are seers in this room that need to step up so that the captives can be set free. We are called so that we can be a light to this community, to be a change agent, to be identity builders. Acts 2 verse 17, God's word. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, not just a select few. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. We can't take that lightly. Someone cared about you. Someone did. Someone prayed for you. Someone, with God's power, pulled you out of the miry clay and set your feet on a solid rock. It's time to return the favor. You willing to be a seer? Are you willing to be a seer? Are you willing to pursue the life of a seer? Are you willing to find someone that you know is a seer and say, you know what, will you mentor me? Will you pour into my life? Can I come and do lunch with you? Can I talk to you? Can I bounce off this idea with you? Here is where my life is right now. I need counsel. I need wisdom. There are so many marriages that are falling apart because they're seeking wisdom at the wrong places. They are telling them it's okay. And, and it's okay to fall apart. It's okay to do what you're doing. Just keep doing it and find someone else because there is no wise counsel. But when there is wise counsel, we see marriages being restored. There are students and teenagers that are making choices on the identity because there is no wise counsel. And but when they find wise counsel, man, there is so much life and transformation. Man, the V Medical Clinic here in town, they're seeing so many patients that are changing their hearts and life is happening because they have wise counsel. But when they seek wrong counsel, we see abortion and we see life, death and destruction that is happening. Will you be a seer? Because we need more people with wise counsel. So I'm going to make a bold ask. And we're going to end service with this. I'm going to make a bold ask. Will you stand up right now and make your way to the front if you see yourself as a seer? I want to pray a prayer of commissioning over you. We do this in youth ministry. <laughs> But we get older and we get so nervous and worried. But if you see yourself as a seer, will you stand to your feet right now and move to the front? Because I want to pray a commissioning prayer over you. And as you walk forward, you're saying, I see myself as a seer. 
And if you're seated in the audience, no guilt on you. I just, I, I'm excited that these guys are stepping up. I want you to look at the people that are standing in front here and say, here is who I need to go talk to. Here's who I need to connect with. Here is who I need to do life with and pursue a life of a seer. Because guess what? Maybe a year from now, you could be standing here. There is nothing special about any one of these people. God wants each one of us to be seers. But to be a seer, you've got to pursue a seer. Once you pursue a seer, you become a seer. If you're a seer, don't sit on the sidelines. Don't sit on the sidelines. God wants to use you. Not just in these four walls. In your workplace. In school with FCA. He wants to use you. He wants to use you in your workplace. At the bank. He wants to use you. He wants to use you at the bank. He wants to use you wherever you work. He wants to use you. Be a bold seer. So if you'd stand with me right now, the rest of you, I'm going to pray this prayer over these that have stepped up. And I hope that you take this to heart and you put it into action. You put it into action starting tomorrow. Let's pray. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon you. For the Lord has anointed you to bring good news to the poor. He has sent you to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that the captives will be released and the prisoners will be set free. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would pour out your spirit. I pray that you would pour out a fresh anointing over each one of these that are standing up front, that have stepped up and said, I am willing to be that seer. I am a seer. I pray, even as they take this bold step, that you would pour out your spirit on them, that you would go before them, that you would be in front of them, behind them. I pray even at this very moment, Father, that you would open their eyes to see things that they have never seen before in the spirit world. I pray that you would reveal to them people that are standing in this... in this sanctuary that need a touch this morning, that need to be spoken to. I pray that your Holy Spirit will lead their footsteps to the right places to have the right conversation. And like your word says, as they have those conversations, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give them the words that they need so that they may be effective seers for you. Let your spirit move. Let your spirit empower. Let your spirit set people free because of their boldness. Bless them. Guard them and guide them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you.